Hey there, and welcome to the United Church Podcast. We are a new church here in Seattle committed to an ethic of love. We are striving to be a people united, united with Jesus, each other, ourselves, and the world around us. We hope you enjoy this week's homily. So this past week, I had the opportunity to go on a silent retreat. I was down in Malibu, California, silent retreat. It was wonderful. I don't know many people that lose their voice on a silent retreat. (laughs) You're welcome. Uh, All our kids can go ahead and head back with Mr. Brett uh, if they are ready. So this is awesome. The ability to speak just a little bit. Yesterday, I had virtually no voice at all. And this morning, this is what I have left. Um, It's amazing. It's starting to return, thankfully. Slowly, slowly. So if you will, please indulge me as from time to time I throw some holes into my mouth to keep my throat dry and do my best to not crack my voice a hundred times over, which I'm pretty sure I will. So as we get started, let me pray for us this morning and this voice that sounds like Kermit the Frog or I don't know, Fat Albert maybe. God, thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to gather together this morning as a family, as a church family. Father, we pray that in this space, in the midst of this, that we would see your son anew, that we would be inspired by his story and the things that he did in his life and how he changed the people around him and how he began a movement that changed us that leads to this point in this time today. Father, may we rest in that, may we sit in that, may we be in that, and may we be a people that focus ourselves outward to create and start that kind of change in the world around us, in our neighborhood, in our city, in our people. Father, let that be so. In your son's name that we pray all of these things. Amen. So one of the funny things about Facebook is that every so often you see people that you swear you were friends with pop up in your feed as like a, you should add them as a friend, the suggested friends thing. You know what I'm talking about? Like, and you're like, I thought we were friends. And then you realize, oh, they unfriended me, right? Where you're like, you're kind of flipping through things and you're like, you, you spend time like just kind of scrolling through, you're swiping left because on your phone it's a swipe sort of left thing, not Tinder, not Tinder style swiping left, but you're kind of swiping left to see who's on there and you, you kind of go through and you're like, wait a minute, like why are we not friends? Like we should be friends, like what? we were friends and now we're not. I didn't unfriend them, oh, they unfriended me. And that's how you find out that you've really been unfriended, right? And you begin to think back to like, well, when did they do that? What would have happened? What did I say on Facebook? What picture did I post? What meme did I re- like retweet kind of thing? Like, what did I do to create such like, I just don't want to see you anymore, right? Like, I, it's not that I don't want to not only like, I don't want to see you in my feed, so I'm not going to block you, or I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to unfollow you. I'm going to like just like say this relationship is over, right? And you're like, whoa! It's happened to me a few times that people have actually blocked me, like friends from 
friends from college that are like, yeah, I'm just done with you. And you're like, whoa. One of them, in fact, was a groomsman in my wedding, right? Where he's like, yeah, this relationship is over. And you're like, what did I do? What did I say? And you, you try and figure out ways to reconnect with them, but they don't take your phone calls. They don't respond to your emails kind of thing. You're like, am I really that horrible icky of an individual that like this has happened that like now there's this great amount of division this great amount of separation that's taking place in our relationship and you kind of grieve that right you you kind of sit back you're like oh and it kind of sends you into a space of reflection right where you begin to think about the things that you did the things that you said what it is that you could have done differently I can pinpoint almost every single one of those unfriended, those blocked moments, back to one of two issues in my life. Uh, and they're both political, right? Where it's just like you are trying to have a conversation with somebody. You're trying to kind of work some things out, help someone see the other side of the coin, and they just want nothing to do with it. And they want nothing to do with you. And they no longer want to even associate with you in this online realm called Facebook. And what ends up happening in the midst of this is echo chambers begin to get created, right? Not just because they have unfriended me, but now I no longer get to hear their side of the coin either, right? All of a sudden, we're siloing ourselves more and more and more into this divisive, like this divisive sort of place where no relationships, no contacts, no conversations can happen anymore. It's division. It's separation. It's echo chambers. It's separation. We've been walking through this series called God of, and this morning we're, we're talking about this idea of a God of miracles, a God of miracles. And in John chapter 6, there's perhaps one of the most fascinating miracles. And one of the things that I think we actually overlook in what's taking place in this miracle to feed the 5,000. Now, Jesus has been traveling around all over the place. He's been teaching. He's been healing people. And he's kind of built up this gigantic following of people that are like coming alongside. Like, I want to hear about this Jesus. I want to hear what he's doing. And he finds himself in this place. And all of these people have kind of just started to show up. People that are expecting to get healed. People that are expecting to listen to a really good teaching. People that are expecting to watch some healings because they're kind of there for the sideshow element of it, right? It's people from all walks of life, from all parts of the country have kind of descended onto this place next to a lake. Okay, they're there. They're present. And Jesus, in the midst of it all, kind of looks to one of his disciples and says, hey, we should feed these people. There's like, so in the text it says there are 5,000 men. It doesn't count the women or children. So like it's 5,000 plus people, right? Like there's that many people in this place, a 5,000 people plus. And the disciple, the disciple that Jesus is talking to looks at him like, Jesus, you've done lost your mind. You are crazy. Don't you realize it's going to take a half year's wages to feed all these people? We're talking $30,000, $40,000, Jesus. You are crazy, right? This is not going to work out. This is a half year's wages, Jesus, to do one meal here in this place. And not only that, right? Not only is it going to take $30,000, $40,000, where are we going to find enough food? We're next to a lake in the middle of kind of nowhere, 
right? Like the nearest town is that way. Like what, what are we going to do? Like really, where are we going to get all this food, Jesus? You've, got, you, you've lost your mind. One of the other disciples comes up and says, well, hey, I've got five loaves of bread and two fish from this kid. And you kind of wonder what Jesus thinks in that moment. I mean, what other disciples are thinking at that moment, right? They're kind of starting to look at each other like, Right? Like, looking at the disciple, like, ah, oh, buddy, you're stupid. Oh, my gosh. We thought you had something wrong. Just a couple of little things that are, like, kind of off. But this, like, five loaves and two fish. But you know what's kind of beautiful about that is there's kind of, like, this sense of expectation. That, like, Jesus is actually going to do something with five loaves of bread and two fish. Like, seven things total are going to be able to do something, Right? And so Jesus says, this is beautiful. This is great. This is wonderful. And he blesses the loaves and the fish. He says, start passing it out. And what the text says is that everybody ate to their fill. They ate everything that they wanted, right? They, they were all good. They ate enough food. And we focus in on that as like this beautiful miracle of provision, right? That what God did, what Jesus did in this moment is that he provided a meal for 5,000 plus people in one instant. And I think that's true. And I think that's good. And I think that's beautiful. And I think that's a miracle. But I think what we're missing is perhaps the greater miracle that's taking place in this story. And yes, I think there's a greater miracle here. Jesus got 5,000 plus people from all different walks of life, from all different backgrounds, from all different places to sit down and have a meal together. They had rich conversation. This isn't, like even though this is a chapter, this is chapter six of the book of John and, and Luke chapter nine, it's, it's 15 verses in John chapter six. Even though it's only 15 verses, we read it as if Boom, it's just this moment of like food is provided and then that's it. The story ends and Jesus moves on to calm the storm, right? Like, because that's the next story that kind of takes place in the lineage of all of these stories, right? Like, that that's what's next. We forget how long it takes to sit down and have a meal with people. We would forget how long it took for Jesus to multiply all of this stuff as it gets passed through a crowd of five thousand plus people as these loaves go by as the fish go by as people take hunks and hunks and chunks of fish and they create this beautiful fish sandwich because I'm pretty sure that's what they all ate I think it was fish sandwiches you got bread you got a fish you just put it together you got a fish sandwich that's what they were doing right all of this time and then as it's passed around they're waiting they're waiting for these bastards to come around they actually grouped themselves up into groups of 50. Jesus had them get together in groups of 50 as they sat around. And he said, pass it out. They're sitting in these groups of 50. That's a big group, right? That's a big meal. That's a big table of people that are, that are families. Families traveled out to this place, right? Families. You've got people that are sick, that are, that are outcasts, that are considered unclean, but they're there because they want Jesus 
to heal them. They're the outcasts of society, those that have been pushed aside, pushed to the margins, kept completely away from things and told you cannot associate with anyone based on the system and the structure that we have created as a society. Sitting down at a table with those that are religious leaders, those that have come to see who this Jesus is, those religious leaders that have been following him around, trying to catch him in a trap of some sort, catch him saying something that they could use against him in some sort of trial, in some sort of way. They're grabbing him and pulling him in. Like that, That's what they're trying to do. You've got the unclean and you've got the religiously pious together in the same place. You've got Democrats and you've got Republicans in the same place. Those that have completely opposing systematic, like uh, completely opposing political views on how the nation of Israel should run, of how it should be focused in upon. You have zealots, those that are considered domestic terrorists, those that want to take down Rome by force, that carry weapons. They believe in open carry to the complete extent of the law. And those that are complete pacifists that just believe, no, we shouldn't do this at all. We should just wait and be patient and quiet and allow God to do what God is going to do in this place. Sitting around together, sharing a meal. Can you imagine the conversations that are going on here? Every single one of them around that table may have a hundred differences a hundred differences that they feel, that they experience, that they have going on against one another. But they have one thing in common. They all came to see, listen, hear, touch this Jesus. That was the unifying factor for all of them around this table. That was the peace. That was the thing that brought together this sense of unity that brought them together was this Jesus. That's why they were there. I can imagine that a lot of their conversation started with, when's the first time you heard about this Jesus? Oh, I, I, I heard about him a few weeks ago when I was in, in, uh, in Caesarea Philippi. Like he totally did this thing and like word kind of spread about him and I just thought, man, I got to see this guy. And so I kind of tried to figure out where he was, where he was moving, where he was going and, and I figured it out. And so like that's what brought me here to this place now. Oh, that's really cool. What about you? Like where did you hear? Dude, Jesus actually healed me from blindness like three weeks ago. Like it was the craziest thing and I just can't get enough. I want to see more about what is going on here. Like I can see now and I can see this man that has completely changed my life. What brought you here? I don't believe this Jesus is who he says he is. I think he's a complete fraud. I think he's crazy. But, and I'm, I'm here to kind of catch him saying something silly and stupid, right? Like, oh, that's different, right? Everybody has a different opinion, a different point of view. This group of 50 that has surrounded together, they're sitting together having a meal in unity. I think this is the greatest miracle. This is the greater miracle. There are miracles of provision, yes. But the greatest thing about what Jesus did and what miracles really are about is peeling back the curtain and showing us what the kingdom of God is really like. 
Every single miracle that Jesus ever performed, whether it was helping the lame to walk, the blind to see, those that had disease to be well and healed and and whole once again, all of these different miracles were about Jesus peeling back the curtain and showing us this is what the kingdom of God is like. It's like this. And here in this place, where 5,000 plus have gathered together, Jesus peels back the curtain and says, no one should be hungry in this place, in the kingdom of God. No one should be hungry. But also there should be no division. There'll be nothing but unity. No matter what it is that your belief and your opinion and your thought may be, we can come together around this idea of Jesus as the thing that holds us together. There are a lot of things that are taking place on Facebook. There are a lot of things that are taking place in our political discord in this country, in this city. Everyone has an opinion on the Amazon head tax, right? There was just a a rally and a protest down there yesterday, right, down by Bezos' balls. There's a huge rally and protest down there yesterday. And it continues to see side after side on Facebook as people begin to talk about it more and more and what to do. And as our mayor says, oh, well, here's a different plan. And people shoot it down and say, no, it's terrible. And this is, would be better and this would be awful. Or I have no idea at all, but I just want everything to go away. I want everything to be perfect. I want everything to be in a euphoric set, that, like, like state of being. I want everything to be a utopia. And that's all well and good. That's all well and good. But all of these divisions are not the way of the kingdom of God. It doesn't mean that we should not have the opinions that we have. But then when we have those opinions and we share those opinions, we talk about those opinions. When we talk about those beliefs and share those beliefs and reiterate those beliefs over and over, what it should be done is in a spirit of love and in a spirit of unity. In a spirit that brings people together and says, look, this is a way forward, not a way back. It's a way of softening the blade and a way of pushing into real and good conversation, a a way of real and and helpful conversation. The friends that I have lost over the years as a result of my pedantic diatribes on Facebook and Twitter and all those things, the the groomsmen that I still have not talked to in probably about 10 years, right? All of those things have taught me well how to interact and how to begin to move forward in a different way, believing that this God of miracles can actually forge a new path. One One of the guys that I had a falling out with, so to speak, was just a couple of years ago. He was a good man, a a guy that I I really truly loved and respected, and we differed a lot on one specific issue. It's just the issue of guns. Like, we we just differed and butted heads left and right on that issue to the point where he said, I don't want anything to do with this anymore. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Like, I just, like, I am wiping you out of my life. Kind of thing, right? Because he lives in a different part of the country and there's no way for us to really talk. Last, uh, last uh, well, just, just a few months ago, 
I had the opportunity to see him face to face for the first time in several years and for the first time since he kind of wiped me out kind of thing. And we had a good conversation, not about that, but about something else, about, a, about my friend who was going through a really rough and difficult time. We had a new conversation that was beginning to emerge and beginning to kind of form there in that space. A new way forward that allowed us to find peace and a new way forward that allowed us to find relationship and not division. A way that allowed us to find love in that space, peace in that space, mercy for each other's differences in that space. And we're in relationship now again. We're having conversations periodically here and there as the, as the wound and as the, as the whole and as that separation of relationship is beginning to come back together slowly, slowly, slowly. These are the types of things that Jesus calls us into. These are the types of things of the God of miracles. As he, he can do miraculous things in the relationships that have been separated, in the relationships that have been pushed apart, in the relationships that have been pulled apart. God can do miraculous things there, in that place and in that space. We just have to be open. We just have to pursue it. We just have to find God's saving balm there to help heal it over and push us forward into a new way. My question for you this morning as we think about this is what does it look like for us as a people to begin to lean into those relationships that may have been severed or wounded or pushed aside in a different way, in a way that says this is the greater thing, this is the greater miracle is not some sort of provision, but the greater miracle is that we get to step into and lean into new relationship with those that maybe we have wounded intentionally or unintentionally. What does it mean for us to step into that, to find healing, to find apology, to, to find the, the courage to actually just simply mutter the two words, I'm sorry, and mean it? What does it look like for us to step into that and to find healing in those relationships? Because when we do that, when we find that space, when we find that place, we can then experience a newfound sense of what the kingdom of God is all about as we begin to peel back the curtain and see this is what Jesus intended for all people to come together in this place and to find unity and love. I will remind you, unity is not uniformity. Unity is not uniformity. Unity is coming together with all that we are and all that everyone is and says, nothing shall separate us. Nothing shall keep us asunder. Nothing shall destroy this relationship. We may have our differences. We may have our beefs with one another. But those things, we will find a place to not only coexist, but a place of love and of healing and of purpose as we move forward into this new kingdom together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this, for this day and your son. <clears throat> we thank you for the example that he shares and sets for us, the miracles and the greater miracles and the even greater miracles above that. Father, we pray this morning that you would help us lean more into what it means to be a healing people, a people that find peace and a people that make peace in this world and in this place. 
Father, we lift these things up to you in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. One of the ways in which we remember what it means to be unified as a people is this act of communion, this opportunity to to come together around and center ourselves on the body of Christ, the loaf of bread which represents the body of Christ. It is one loaf. It is a whole loaf as one. And when we break the loaf, when we break the bread, it is not saying that we are separated, that we are divided, but that we are a part of this one loaf that was broken for us that we may find unity, that we may find wholeness in our relationships with others, with our relationship with God, with our relationship with ourselves and this world around us. And when we take a chunk of the bread, when we rip off a piece of the bread, it is not saying that I am separating myself from this body, but it's saying that I remember that I am a part of the whole, that this along with this is what makes the loaf. That this along with this is what makes the body of Christ. Because apart I can be nothing, but together as a part of the whole, I am a part of the body of Christ. So when you come forward and you rip off a chunk of the bread, you are remembering the broken body of Christ that was broken for you, that was given for you, that that was beaten for you and for me and for us. And then you dip it in the juice, which represents Christ's blood, which was shed for us, a symbol of the new covenant that he is making with us today. And always, and every day, over and over and over and over again. So come forward and rip off the bread and remember that you too are a part of the body and dip it in the blood and remember that you too were bought with a price. And then return back to your seats and together as a church family, we will participate in this act of communion together. So when you're ready, please come. Thank you for listening to this week's homily. If you're in Seattle, we'd love for you to join us on Sundays at noon at 1316 3rd Avenue West in Queen Anne. If you'd like to support our efforts, please visit unitedchurch.gives to partner with us financially. Be in peace and God bless.